Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami, here we are. Hey, Will, I know, man. And you know, you know what I'm very excited about today? I'm always excited for our guests, but what I'm excited about today is we have someone on this podcast that every membership-driven organization should have their hands in listening to because she has got such a passion for membership, why it works, why it doesn't work. And I'm excited to hear Sarah, because Sarah's been at this a while. And I, I remember getting her to keynote at one of our first exec uh, meetings in FSAE when I was on their chair of their conference committee. So I'm excited to hear how things have changed since that moment, which is like 2009 or something. This is Sarah Sladek or Sladek? Yeah. It's Sladek. Straight, mm-hmm. a, a hard A. I love it. Yeah. I've heard that people that have hard vowels in their name are much more memorable. So uh, Sarah Sladek, welcome to the podcast. I'm honored to have you on here because uh, my my whole professional career is is centered around member engagement. Like that's what I live and breathe from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. And so I'm I'm just shocked and disappointed that we have not had a conversation to date. So I'm really happy to meet you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So what do you do, Sarah? Membership. No. Uh, so I am the CEO of XYZ University, which started out as a generational consulting and research firm. XYZ meaning generations, X, Y, and Z. And that has morphed over time as we've studied more and more uh, really kind of uh, changes in organizational culture and belonging trends. And so today we still work with businesses and corporations, but a large, large percentage of our member, uh, our uh, clients come from membership organizations. And I'm just out with my sixth book on membership and it's called Member Shift. Ooh, that's so, a good name. Yeah. <laughs> so that leads me to my first question, Dave. So, I mean, I I, met, I think you spoke around 2009 or so at FSA conference. That's 14 years ago. So when you look at this whole <laughs> membership now, yeah. well, first, first question is, did you find that attacking the generational stuff as a business model, as a product really helped vault you into where you're at? Because I know back from 2008 to 2015, that was on everybody's mind. Gen Y, Gen X, Gen, Gen Z. Do they join? Do they not join? So did, did that like propel you into where you're at today? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So as my story goes, I started out my career as a young professional. I was catapulted into leadership roles early on. I started out as a business journalist and then went to work as the director of media for an association. And I went to a national conference for this association and the speaker at the, you know, rubber chicken lunch event <laughs> asked everyone under the age of 40 to stand up. And this was a room of over 400 people. You were and the I only one. Up, I stood up. I looked around. There were 12 of us. But oh at that gosh. time, I was in my 20s. And this wow. these are people under 40. And That's I had kind of that. I know. I had that light bulb moment of, okay, it's like my journalism instincts kicked in and I thought there is a story here where are the young people and uh, started kind of researching asking around other associations are you having difficulty engaging young people oh my gosh yeah 
And at that time it was Gen X because I'm old. And now then it was millennials. Now we're talking about Gen Z. And it's just fascinating to see how belonging has shifted. And I, I was really intrigued to understand what the heck happened. So, yeah, so what, what happened? Can you, can you give us the answer? Or do we have to read the book? Well, okay. So Which we book have is six this, hours? by the way? That, where's the answer? Which book? <laughs> so the answer is in all the books. But here, here it is really, really boiled down. Oh, wait, wait, before you answer that, and I, I don't want to forget yeah. this. At this point, people are probably wondering, who is this chick? The answer is sarahsladek.com, S-A-R-A-H-S-L-A-D-E-K.com. All right, yeah. so with that, yeah. go check that out while you're listening. Go ahead, tell me, wh- wh- what is the answer? What? Why aren't the young, right. why do you think, why did you figure out the young people are not joining? Yeah, okay. So it's a very multifaceted, and I won't go into all the things, but basically there's been major social change and there's been a myriad of social changes that have occurred, like mainstreaming of technology changes in how we raise our children, you know, all kinds of things. But the main big, big, biggie one is that we have actually shifted out of an industrial era into the talent economy or post-industrial era. And basically what's happened is that there's a lot of organizations and leaders like boomers and Xers are really the last generations of the industrial era. Um, Those organizations and leaders, they have a different way of of approaching culture and approaching belonging and and all that. And now we have post-industrial raised generations and leaders coming into the fold and they're going, whoa, 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 this doesn't make any sense to me. And then we have culture clashes and then we have disengagement and decline. So it's just simply that we haven't been very good about transitioning and evolving our organizations to be mindful and responsive to how the market is shifting. That's really it in a nutshell. And so you had all that. And then in 2020, all <laughs> yeah, that went like that. I'm coming a piece of paper for listeners out there. And that's, right. that's what happened. Yes, exactly. <laughs> kind of poof, right? <laughs> it just it blew up in our face. Now, Sarah, here's what I've noticed. Dave and I did a, and it got written up when someone heard of it. Here's the, here's the opportunity that I think that people don't really get. And you probably see this being someone that studies it. But between eight, currently between 18 to 38, it used to be 10 years ago, it was 7 to 30, 27 Right now, 18 to 38 is the largest 20-year block of population in our history. And yes. most people, I know in my generation, they didn't join in their 20s. They had no extra money. And even today's 20-year-olds don't have a lot of money at all because of student debt, trying to get that first home with where we are now. And so about early 30s is when people start thinking about it because they figure out, okay, I do need some help. I want to be a part of the connection of my industry. And I got, I got a little raise. I got a little discretionary income. I can now afford to join. And that largest group turned... 33 five years ago and and so you got 15 more years of the largest 20-year block coming your way so i tell people you have the largest perspective base of potential members in the pool of population right now so going to what you said value connecting with the young people as they turn into these 30s is meaningful now because now there's a ton of people that you can call and join uh, no, it's so true. It is kind of a fascinating time that we're living through because we're seeing that for the first time in a long time, our workforce is trending younger as opposed to older. So right. 
you know, when we talk about industrial era thinking and methodologies, baby boomers were the majority of the workforce for 34 years. So over three decades, which is a really long time. So it's it's really not surprising that our organizations got used to certain practices and policies and procedures, traditions, all of that. Uh, since that time, we have seen new generations coming into the fold, which, by the way, generations in and of themselves are getting shorter in span because change is happening faster. And um, uh, but but yes, we're just seeing that, OK, we've got to be literally thinking younger because our workforce majority is now younger. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I love when we talk about baby boomers because everybody always says, my grandfather worked at his job for 30 years because they had th that generation was so much more loyal to their company. Uh. And, I, and I'm like, no, they weren't. The baby boomers didn't have 30 job sites that when their manager ticked them off, that they could go look for their job for the next four months and leave. That's the difference, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And, you know, everyone's talking about Gen Z right now. Well, Gen Z has been coming of age during the most disruptive era ever. And what's interesting is they've been coming of age during this whole retirement wave and the great resignation and all these things that are happening. And they're really, they've literally from a very young age been growing up during this era of seeing help wanted signs everywhere. Like everyone is coveting talent, their talent. So they know they have their choice of jobs. And meanwhile, technology is introducing all kinds of new career paths and jobs all the time. So Grade schoolers are saying they want to be a social media influencer as a career. So, you know, so yeah, lots and lots of change happening. I, I, speaking of that, I, do, do you, what do you think about the influencer? I mean, this is a little bit of a off tangent, but do you think that ship has sailed or do you think there's, or I guess the industry is maturing. How is the influencer industry maturing, do you think? Well, I think, uh, I think, I think there's aspects of the influencer movement that are going to st stick around for quite some time, like that desire for authenticity, um, getting to know personal brands, getting to know uh, the people um, and communities on a deeper level, which when we talk about associations and membership, that's been influenced by influencer uh, movements because and now our members are wanting to hold their associations accountable. They're wanting more transparency than ever before. They want to know the leadership. They, uh, they're, they're demanding a different relationship. And so, yeah, I think, you know, some of the influencers, uh, some of it's morphing and changing, but the principles, the values they introduced, that's not going away. Not anytime soon. So the, but you mentioned, so, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a step back into the conversation we're just having about the generations. It's it, the, the argument I tend to take on this, and, and I'm really good at expressing opinions on things I know nothing about. So I'm, I'm really okay. good at it. And okay. one of those opinions is that it's, it's not that the younger generation, and, and I agree, I think it's very, lots of issues, lots of things, right? Access to content is all over the mm -hmm. place, so easy mm -hmm. to get. But I would also argue that very rarely are people in their 20s actually into their career. Like the 20s are for, excuse my language, but 
as a, as a good friend says, the twenties are for fucking around, right? And that's a way to explore and learn things. And to be honest, I tell my son that is 23 and he's got mm -hmm. a clothing business, you know, that's selling Hawaiian flannels called the Kona brand.com. So cool. there is the, the, that's the twenties, right? Is he going to join clothing industry of America or whatever, you know, textile industry there is probably not. But as he matures and gets into his 30s, maybe even late 30s, that's when he's got something to contribute and enough maturity to say, yeah, I'm in. This is, uh, I'm, this is my life. Mm. Is there something to that? Or am I just making shit up right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little bit of both. A little yeah. bit of both. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we're seeing, you know, yes, younger people have that tendency of, I'm trying, I'm trying things on. I'm, I'm figuring out where my career is going to go, where I want to work, all that. However, with that being said, and I'm, this is so freaky and, and, and a little geeky for me to share, but I, I just find it. There's your next book, Freaky and Geeky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is now research to prove that for Gen Z, their brains have developed differently than any other generation. So we're Ooh. seeing evolution happen, which is crazy, right? But one aspect of that is that there are centers of their brain that have catapulted and developed much faster. So case in point, your son already has a business, already thinking pretty maturely about, uh, you know, finances and entrepreneurialism and marketing and things like that. Um, there are certain sections of the brain, the Gen Z brain, that have developed very quickly, and they tend to be more mature thinkers, and they tend to be, in comparison to generations that have come prior, they are thinking more seriously about career. That's not to say they're settling in a career necessarily, but they're definitely thinking more seriously about their futures, about what they want to do, about what brings them joy, about the kind of company they want to work for and or create. So I think when we think about membership, that's an opportunity for associations to be tapping into and thinking about uh, you're never too young for membership and um, associations need to be forging those connections with that uh, very influential uh, workforce that's coming into play right now. So just last night, my wife and I, watched a, a really I, I hate saying this a terrible movie like from 2016 called dirty grandpa this is robert de niro and zach efron mm -hmm. and yeah. but it speaks <laughs> it to what you're talking movie. about what's that it is terrible <laughs> it was so bad but we couldn't shut it off you know because it's robert de niro you know bobby mm -hmm. right so we have to keep watching it and it, it you're a few <laughs> chuckles here and there uh having said that though i the what made me think of this is in this storyline, Zach Efron was this very serious 20 something. Um, yeah. And his grandfather, De Niro, a, a, a vet from, uh, I'm not sure which wars, but some, you know, older vet, uh, he was took life lightly. And his son, I mean, his grandson, the 20 something year old was very serious about his career. Now, it's hard to look at that movie and actually take it seriously, but the point you're making is represented there as well. Yeah. Well, you know, going a little bit off of what, what Sarah said, you know, when you look at the change of how people think about associations, I used to always talk about 
you know, a lot of associations were started between 1890 and 1930, 1940. So our dads were like connected to the generation that started the association. Lots of passion. They were going to the meetings when it was the thing to do. And today's, you know, the younger generation today, they're two and three generations past all that. So the emotional value, the emotional connection is right. not there. That's what tra transferred it into what's in it for me. Not that I joined the association just because I got tons of friends there. Because I met them when I went to the, the meetings with, with my dad and my mom. And now they're far removed from that emotional connection. And now it's into what is it in for me? Yeah. Oh, so true. So true. So Tom, I've got 150 more questions. Do you want, but I don't, I, I know I've been dominating the chit chat here. Sarah, I don't know if you, if you know this, me and Dave, we, we developed this podcast just so we could fight over someone's attention. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so, so I, I guess, for, I guess for me, Sarah, cause you've been someone that's been great at studying the demographics, generational stuff of the shift and talk about the shift in general. What have you seen since, say, let's say 2010 when I met you? What do you think in the last 14 years has been the number one biggest thing you can say, man, that was a game changer for memberships right there? Looking Social at the association. Social mm -hmm. media, hands down. Because since 2010, social media, e-commerce, all of that has really uh, accelerated. And um, that's just been so redefining. Not only has it accelerated, but we began introducing social media and technology to children at a very mm -hmm. young age, younger and younger and younger. And um, that's part of what's contributing to brain development changes, social development changes. It's part of what's redefining community and value and belonging and all the things and expectations of experiences and education and on and on and on. So, yeah, hands down, it would be social media. You know, now I know. I, I know why my members won't watch my 10-minute membership video. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's 90 seconds. That's a Oh my gosh. So right, I'll, share, I'll share something else about that, Jen, okay. which is also fascinating. So part of what we're seeing with this evolution is that um, they are obtaining information and memories almost exclusively through photos and video. So we're seeing a real transition to a visual learning generation, mm -hmm. like hyper visual learning, which right. also is going to, you know, that's going to beg the question of how are we educating? How are we training? How are we informing? How are we communicating? Right. We're going to have to start uh, doing a lot more th through visuals, visual. Yeah. Well, the question is, is I mean, because we've struggled with that because we have some text, some text learning that we do. So do you have the money in your budget to transition text learning into visual learning, which isn't yeah. cheap? Now no, with, AI, no. with AI tools, it's going to get cheap. It's gonna, they're going to figure out how to make it cheaper, but that's a big transition to go from text learning to visual learning. It's, it's, it not, is. it's not easy. Well, it is. How, but, how does um, audio fit into that, though? I mean, we're, we're recording a podcast. Podcasts have, have, have just skyrocketed in the past five years in terms of popularity. I know my kids are listening to books more than reading, as do I, actually. So uh, mm -hmm. does audio, you, you said video and image, mm -hmm. is audio a component of that? Or what do you think? Audio is a component of it. I mean, it's definitely a distant second, but it's up there. Um, uh, you know, and anything that, that visual learning, learning by doing, uh, hands-on learning, interactive learning, that's definitely, uh, that's where the trend is. 
That's what Gen Z is gravitating towards more and more and more. So how do you apply that to, uh, like, let's get real now. Let's bring it down to earth for a second. How do you, how would an association take that knowledge and apply it to their day-to-day engagement? Obviously, so, I mean, other than create more videos and, and uh, right, 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 image-based right, right. content. I mean, aside yeah. from that, what is the best way to engage members? Yeah. So I, I am a huge proponent of cognitive diversity. So we are, okay, so I said earlier, we're, we've transitioned out of the industrial era. And I said a lot of organizations haven't. Well, a surefire sign that you're still in the industrial era is hierarchy. And that includes boards of directors that are all over 50. And um, that includes just key decisions being made by senior staff and all that. So, no. What, what we're experiencing right now is something really, really unique. It's never happened in history before. And it's largely been fueled by technology <clears throat> and increased access to information and education and new skill sets. And that is simply that we see every generation as something to learn and something to teach. And that's never happened before, you know, since caveman days, everyone gathered around, learned from the elder of any given society, and they had all the power, all the wisdom, all the experience. But now we're seeing, oh, holy cow, uh, we can actually learn something from really young individuals. They have something of incredible value to bring to the table. So to answer your question, when we talk about engaging members uh, I and modernizing and preparing for the future and all that. It starts with how you are leading and how you're making decisions. And I think it has to be inclusive of all generations. You have to be reflective of your entire membership community, not just one section of it, but of everybody. And that way you are innovating together. That way Everyone feels like they have a voice, a seat at the table. You're empowering your community. You're learning, you're teaching. And as a result, people begin to feel more like they belong and there is space for them. Right. But we get into problems when we try to guess. Well, I think young people want this, or I think that group wants that. Um, no, we have to actually do the community building, which associations should excel at, but they don't always. We have to do the relationship building. We have to do the take the make the effort to revamp those bylaws and hierarchies and be truly inclusive. Well, you know, I think Stephen Jobs said it best when he said, "We need to hire the young people and t- let them tell us what we need to do." <laughs> yeah, I love that. Every time I see that, I love that line. But you know, yeah. you, you make a good point about change and the hierarchy stuff, and I kind of equate it to change was coming at us at a pace to where the people, the elders knew way more than the young people did because they had all this experience and wisdom that would help them gauge the future. But now yeah. the, the future is running at us so fast oh. that, that 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 wisdom is no longer, it's relevant, but not as relevant as listening to the people that are engaging in the futuristic stuff to tell us, okay, how do we take what we know and wrap it around and run with you guys? Exactly. You know? And I think that's exactly. the challenge. Most, most people that are, most associations that are driven by a lot of baby boomers they haven't figured that out yet to listen to the young people enough to take what they know from the past and reform, reca- re, you know, reformulate it into something that can really drive us for the future with their input. 
Yes. Amen. Preach it. Sarah (laughs) said social media was one of the biggest shifts in culture that she's seen. I forgot exactly what the question was, but something like that. And, and, uh, and I think this, what Sarah, Sarah's point about um, cognitive diversity uh, that we can learn from everyone across all the generations is, is there's a direct correlation to our previous answer, which is social media. Historically, the, and again, I'm making stuff up here, Sarah, but it, it's fun to it. make that. That's called thinking, I think, is what they call it. <laughs> but the, the Historically, it seems to me that the uh, outlets for communicating knowledge were limited to institutions, classrooms, um, the, the, the organizations that were very hierarchical in nature, like businesses. Now, it's actually kind of flipped, the, if not at least equal, meaning like there's just as many places for a 10-year-old to go teach something as there is for a, 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 a 50 year old to go teach things. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dave, you had years ago, you had to show up to the annual meeting. That's why meetings were, I can remember, I got members to say, man, our meetings back in the seventies and eighties, they were off the cuff. And the reason is, is because that was the one place you got data. You couldn't get anywhere else. Yep. And now you just go to Google and you can get anything. You don't, yep. you go to the meetings today, so much different, such different reasons. Wouldn't you say that? Sarah, that you go for so many more different reasons today than you did 30 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 morphing, it's changing. But yes, back to your point, Dave, I mean, uh, social media opened up the opportunity to have a direct line of communication to anybody, anywhere, all over the world, including President of the United States. I mean, that's very, very powerful. And, um, and so naturally... That's what that's where that influencer movement is coming into play. And that's where cognitive diversity comes into play and where talent economy comes into play. Uh, now we have people who want and expect a voice and a seat at the table, regardless of their age and years of experience. And so that's why we see disengagement and decline happen when associations lag behind and aren't really truly member centric and building that community in in their associations yeah so sarah i'm buying your book member shift um right now on amazon mm-hmm. and um the uh, i'm actually just picking my work credit card i'm gonna expense this one but <laughs> having said that the the subtitle here is why members leave and the strategies proven to bring them back yeah Can you uh, you know it, I don't think you're going to be spoiling the book. What are some of those strategies? Okay. So one I've already shared, you know, cognitive diversity. Um, I'll I'll share another one, and that is uh, putting members first, being really, truly member-centric. And a lot of times associations will go, well, we're member-centric, you know, totally. Um, Let's really think about it. What's your membership department look like? Where does membership fall on that organizational chart? A lot of times it's like one little corner in the side at the bottom. It might be one person. It's very rarely someone at the executive level as an example. Organizations tend to be, um, associations tend to be organized, prioritizing things like revenues, events, networking, advocacy, things that tend to be very open door 
right? So it's very easy for non-members to access all of those types of things and to eventually say, I'll just pay a little bit extra. I don't have to be a member. There's not a lot that, um, this is why we've started to hear associations talk about value proposition. What's my value in today's market? People aren't joining the way they used to. Well, to what Tom was just saying earlier, there's so much that's accessible now that associations have to be very mindful of, number one, what's the real advantage to being part of your community and paying dues? What's the return on investment? What can I get that I can't easily access anywhere else and I have to be a member to get it? So now you start breaking down some of these concepts and you begin to realize uh, we might not exactly be member centric. We might just kind of be an association that provides membership. And I think that's one of the key, you know, the book's titled Member Shift. I think that's one of the key shifts that need to occur in order for associations to survive. That's awesome. I cannot wait. So it's out now. This book is out now, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I should have this in two days. That's good. So speaking of the number two, Dave, Sarah, when that you look- sounds, when why, you... why do you have to say it like that? <laughs> it just sounds dirty. <laughs> We're not talking about- either, Somebody told me you stop learning when you stop listening. And I think I stopped listening when I was 14 years old. You know old. what? It's just because Dave just watched Dirty Grandpa. So he's- Right, like... right. Also, because I have a 14 year old sense of humor. Yeah. All I said was, think about the number two. Speaking I, of the number yeah. two. And Dave went off, and Dave jumped off off the bridge. Oh, yeah. You know, it doesn't yeah. take much, Tom. I hope that parachute works, man. <laughs> oh, my um, God. You know what I did last week? Speaking of parachutes, I did paragliding. In, uh, oh, so wow. I was just in, in Park City, and I did this uh, paragliding. Speaking of parachutes, one of the most- That's where you run off the side of the hill, and, you, and you're on a- Here's the thing, in the right place, which is Park City, and this is, war actually Salt Lake City is where this was, um, world-class paragliding here. And it's basically this little hill. It's not even that big, a few hundred feet. And, uh, it, and there's so much wind and the perfect lift on this hill, uh, I guess the terrain just pushes the wind up that they don't even have to run. I mean, they put the kites up and they like take a step and they're gone like a bird oh my in gosh, the air. Wow. Yeah, I've seen too many YouTube videos. I was <laughs> in the air for an hour. Like I was in this giant baby Bjorn basically on this guy's, the front of this guy, just kind of like a baby, but a, a six foot, 180 pound baby on the front of this guy, just kind of flopping around in the air for an hour. It was amazing. Anyway. Well. So speaking, yes, I did speaking find- of 600, Speaking of 680. <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> yeah. your number two, Tom. So, no, I just wanted to, I mean, it, when people listen to this, if they're having written six books, watch the trends, help people do consulting with them, be better. What are the two things you think associations should walk away from this podcast and say, we're going to go back and we're going to look at this and do this? Tom, that's a, actually, this is a great segue to that last question we ask. Okay. Do you want to make that a part of that um, segment right now? Yeah, we can. All right, so Sarah, at the end of this podcast, what we always do is say, what is your key takeaway or something that you want people to remember? And I love what Tom just asked you. Let's think about that for a second. In the meantime, Tom, what was your key takeaway from uh, this conversation with Sarah? So my, my key takeaway from Sarah is just the reaffirmation that it boils down to value. 
You need to study your diet, your your demographics of your association to understand who it is that's members so that you can say, how many industrial thinking do we have? How many new wave thinkers do we have? What are the social impacts that's causing them to think differently? You know, what are those influences on our membership? Because it's like the wind. You can you know it's there, but you can't see it, but you can feel the strength of it moving. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is just really continuing to have an understanding of who our members are demographically so we can make good choices based upon that. Yay, um, I like that, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Good Tom job. always has really Gold good start. takeaways. <laughs> um, I, so I wrote down a bunch of things from our conversation. I love this concept of cognitive diversity, but I don't think that was the number one. I love the conversation about member-centric and, the, the, and where that led with the value proposition. I think the number one takeaway for me, it, it's not rocket science, I don't think, but it, it was kind of like this aha moment was that uh, visual communications are the way to communicate with the younger generation. And to be honest, I think a lot of people, culture has shifted that way. It's not, I don't think it's just the younger generation. I know I tend to focus more on video, image, and audio myself. So I'll watch was, a 30, 40 second video that before I'll read a three page paper any day i'll listen to a podcast in the car before i'll read a, i'll even listen to audible i have a subscription they have a lot of my money 15 bucks a month for years i've been giving audio audible because i find that much easier to listen to a book than read a book i was disappointed i mm. couldn't get your book on audible oh maybe i should read it and uh yeah That'd be that's awesome. a good idea Dave. thank All right. you all right what about so Sarah, back to the question <laughs> your membership is declining um <laughs> Uh, all right. So mine, I would say final thoughts, I would say um, change is inevitable, uh, but it's a lot easier when you are changing in collaboration with others. Mm -hmm. And um, take that time to learn and teach and get back to your roots as an association and uh, build that community talk to your community, have those dialogues, have those explore, exploratory conversations. Because and my second point would be, you're either a generation ahead or you're a generation behind. Can't be both. And you're if you don't know, then you are probably behind. And uh, it's time to catch up because change keeps happening faster and faster. And if you want your association to be around for generations hmm. to come that's going to require a whole heck of a lot of change so let's awesome. get used to it sarahslatic.com thank you yes. so much Just, and you can find her book there if you forgot the name of it member shift great name good name did you come up great with that? name yeah you did my members leave and how to bring them back so yeah let's do it let's bring them back baby awesome <laughs> sarah great seeing you yeah good to see you tom thank you dave no more bad movies. Two well, good movies. I'm looking. Dave. Oh, there will be many, many more bad movies. I assure you that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you at the next in-person event that that we're at together and and meeting yeah, you in person. Great. Very nice that'd to meet you, Sarah. Thank, Thank you. you. Awesome. Take care, Sarah. Take care, Dave. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association, just like a business, and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at tom at tommorrison.biz or 
dave at propfuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.